Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is Thursday, January 13th. This is the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am your host, Lance Glenn. So for everyone who listens, I mentioned that we are in the midst of a first-year coaches series. So far, we have hit on Miami and Florida. And don't worry, we will continue that series in the episodes coming up. We're going to hit the West Coast over the next few weeks, so make sure to stay tuned in for that. But we all know that first-year coaches more often than not have tough transition classes. So because of that, we decided that we should hit on some of the second-year head coaches that are about to finish their first full class too. So to start, we are going to talk Tennessee recruiting and Josh Heupel's first full class. Joining me to break down the Vols and their 15th ranked recruiting class is Ryan Callahan, the recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, GoVols247.com. Ryan, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time. Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. So Ryan, I want to begin with Heupel. And when he was brought over from UCF, everyone obviously knew about his offensive acumen, his ability to put up points. And Tennessee certainly showed that this past season. I would think that the one, I would say sort of wary thing would be how he would recruit in the SEC, although he obviously had that experience in the South coming from Central Florida. But now basically almost through his first class, what's been your assessment of Josh Heupel as a recruiter and the strategy or, or I guess philosophy he uses to build classes? Yeah, I, I think overall he's he's been pretty good. I think th- obviously the jury is still out on, on just how good of a recruiter he and his staff uh, will, will be at Tennessee. But I think considering the way he finished this first class, I think a, a lot more Tennessee fans that were worried about kind of what you were talking about, his resume, his track record at UCF uh, as a recruiter. Uh, I think a lot of those worries have been uh, have been at least put to rest for now uh, for a lot of fans because they did finish strong down the stretch. And I, I think the way he went about building his first class certainly shows that I, I think he he understands that, that he's got to have top level talent. He understands that he needs to uh, needs to recruit the state of Tennessee pretty hard. Um, that was one shortcoming in this first class is that it was a very good in-state class that Tennessee only has gotten two players from so far. So uh, no way around uh, viewing that as a missed opportunity. But at the same time, I think at least he and and, and several members of his staff have have gotten the message that in-state recruiting has to be a priority and that they have to change those results uh, moving forward. So I think I think he's shown that he gets most of the things that you need to get and and, and understands how to how to build a good recruiting class. And they had some real challenges in this first year uh, that kind of held them back at times and, and caused them to get off to a slow start, starting with an unprecedented dead period that he was hired right in the middle of, obviously, uh, that kept him from meeting any prospects face-to-face until June. So that was a real challenge for him, and, and he was able to overcome that uh, ultimately with better results throughout the year. So I think I think he showed enough that uh, you, you can at least, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you at least feel confident he's going to give you some some pretty solid recruiting classes. Now it's a matter of can he 
can he and this staff take it to another level to, to maybe crack into the top 10, top 12, that kind of uh, territory where Tennessee has been at times in recent years, but just hasn't been yet under Josh Heupel. So look, they had the 22nd ring class in 2021, 15th right now as they march towards the February signing period. They've recruited at this top 25 level while still waiting on a final ruling from the NCAA regarding the investigation from the previous coaching staff. Has that been a, a deterrent at all to their efforts? I mean, just from results, it seems like the investigation has maybe, I guess, had minimal effect on how they've been able to recruit. They've been able to do a pretty good job even with it looming over. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit of an obstacle for a while there. I, I think the, the biggest thing that they've, they, they've been able to kind of put it behind them in the past few months. I think the reason for that is they were able to announce uh, a while back that they were not going to self-impose a bowl ban. Uh, and once they were able to do that, uh, which Tennessee does, I think, plan to release some self-imposed penalties at some point. It's just a matter of what those will be. You know, we've, we've certainly received indications that, that scholarship reductions in some form or fashion will, will likely be part of that, whether that's taking it off of Tennessee's 25 scholarship limit or the 85 scholarship limit that they do plan to reduce their numbers in some form or fashion, I think. Um, so, so we'll find out over time, you know, ultimately what Tennessee is going to self-impose. But this fall, they were able to put out before the end of the regular season that, hey, we're not going to self-impose a bowl ban um, because that was a question they obviously kept getting from recruits and, and that was being used against them a little bit in, in negative recruiting from other schools. You know, all this talk from, from, some, uh, from some rivals or teams they would go head to head with that, hey, Tennessee's going to get hammered. They're going to get a three year bowl ban, four year bowl. You know, other schools can kind of fill in the blanks when, when you don't have answers like Tennessee didn't. You know, they couldn't really tell recruits what to expect. And so other, other schools would fill in the blanks. And, and once they were able to kind of answer that question with, no, we're not self-imposing a bold ban at all. I think that kind of cleared it up a little bit for a lot of, a lot of prospects out there, even though the NCA has yet to rule on, on the case and it's not really anywhere close or not thought to be anywhere close to being wrapped up. They at least have an answer to tell players now and, and the, the penalties that they will self-impose will likely not really directly impact a lot of players in, in their time at Tennessee. It's just going to impact their approach to recruiting in some, some ways here and there. So yeah, I think they've been able to navigate it pretty well and it's not, you know, been such a huge setback that you'd say that's why they signed the class that ranked where it where it did. I think it held them back for a little while, but as the results got better throughout the year, um, they, they were able to kind of get past those challenges and, and at least have some answers for prospects, especially because they could could point to not having a bowl ban. So I want to switch over now to the transfer portal. They took 10 transfers in 2021. And I'm sure a lot of that was because they obviously got hit hard by the portal when Jeremy Pruitt was let go. They've taken four this current cycle so far. They can always take more, but I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they won't take as many as they did in 2021. What do you think the plan is portal-wise moving forward? How are they going to use it to address the roster in the coming years? So, so one thing about those four transfers they've added so far, two of those are preferred walk-ons. Uh, maybe Shuler, a quarterback who's the son of former Vol, he's Shuler. He's a, he's a preferred walk-on. And then Charlie Browder, uh, the former UCF tight end that now is reuniting with Josh Heupel's staff after uh, signing with them uh, a little more than a year ago. He's also planning to be a preferred walk-on. So they've taken two so far who will count uh, toward, toward scholarship numbers, and that gives them room to to probably add several more players. You know, there's, there's not really a magic number yet, but I think the thought at this point is that Tennessee will sign fewer than 30 total in this class. 
Tennessee will, will probably add or, or try to add at least one player to its 2022 class, but that still leaves room for potentially several more transfers. And I, I think they would like to add guys at a number of positions. Uh, this roster is very much still a work in progress. So I think they, they still could use help at almost everywhere, but especially I think on offense, they, they've already added a receiver, Isaiah Nair from, uh, from Wyoming, and then uh, offensive lineman Gerald Mincy from Florida. They, they still have a needed offensive tackle with Cade Mays, the, the longtime starter, two-year starter and, and former Georgia player now being gone. Um, they still So they could still maybe use a plug-and-play right tackle to replace him. So I think they would still be open to another offensive tackle. I think they'd like a running back in the transfer portal if they can find one they like. And then on defense, I think there's there are needs really at every level of the defense. They've already tried to add an edge rusher, Jared Verse, that they missed out on who went to Florida State. Uh, and they definitely need help in the secondary and probably on the defensive line as well. I think Tennessee fans would tell you they need linebacker help. So there's just a lot of needs uh, and how they choose to address those. I think will just depend on who's out there, who they can get. I think they want impact players as much as anything. Last year had to take some depth just because of needs in the transfer portal this year. I think more realistically, they would like to be selective and they have been so far and only take players that they feel are really going to make a difference. So the one thing about having a top 25 class in the SEC is that Basically, everyone in the SEC has a top 25 class. I think 12 of the 14 are in the top 25, according to the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. Vanderbilt, I know, is right on the cusp, and Florida, obviously, in a transition year. And we know that in order to take the next step into the SEC's elite, because of the strong recruiting throughout the conference, a team has to break into that top four or top five. Right now, Tennessee's at seven. What do you think Tennessee has to do to take that next step and break into that Alabama, Georgia, A&M, you know, LSU in a non-transition year kind of group, you know, how does Tennessee break into that top four or top five of the SEC? You know, I, I think it's, this has been kind of a, a long-term discussion at Tennessee, obviously with, with how long they've, they've kind of been down compared to, to what historically they're, they're used to being, uh, you know, aside from a couple of years under Butch Jones, they, they haven't won more than eight games in a season really since the Philip Fulmer era. Uh, they had two nine four seasons under Butch Jones. So this has been a, a, a sort of long-term philosophical discussion of how do you get back to the top of an SEC that's now tougher than it's ever been and deeper than it's ever been. And, and I, I think it's, a, it, it's sort of a chicken or egg discussion. Do you have to recruit at a higher level first before you can get the on-field results? Or do you have to overachieve on the field first? to get the results in recruiting. I think Tennessee has tried it the other way uh, where they've, they've tried to recruit at a higher level to get the on-field results uh, in a way I would maybe argue that was sort of the approach under Jeremy Pruitt. You know, he, he was certainly a, a recruiting first kind of guy. I, I think everybody knows recruiting is important, but they haven't had certainly until Josh Heupel haven't really had a style or a coaching staff that has given fans reason to think that, Hey, maybe the staff can overachieve on the field first and lead to those on-field or lead to the, the gains in recruiting that you need long-term. I think that's maybe the path for Josh Heupel and this staff is maybe you overachieve on the field first, and that opens the door for Tennessee to recruit at the level it needs to, uh, to, to try to start chasing down Georgia and Alabama and those teams at the top of the conference. I think it's, it's going to be a challenge, realistically. Uh, this, this staff has been solid in recruiting so far, but I think to take things to another level, the, the easiest path might be you know, go out and, and win nine or 10 games in a year you're not expected to and kind of go from there and build on that on-field success. But it's obviously not easy and it's more of a theory than, than a, a proven method because we haven't seen for sure that it would work. But I think a lot of people think that's maybe the easiest path to Tennessee getting back to that point. 
So Ryan, a couple more from me. Let's take a look at the class of 2022 now. 20 commits, uh, four transfers, two of which you mentioned are walk-on. So there's still more room left in this class. Are there any names left on the board as we head towards February? Or do you think this class is kind of all but done? Uh, you know, it, it, it's not done yet. I would say that they still have a few targets out there that are going to, at least right now, are scheduled to come on official visits to Tennessee this month. Starting this weekend, they, they have Ahmad Moten, the defensive lineman from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who's who's scheduled to come in. And he's he's got a lot of, there's a lot of competition for him. Oklahoma, Miami, also very much in the mix. North Carolina will get an official visit right after his trip to Tennessee. So, uh, there, there's some, uh, it's a, it's going to be a battle for him. His brother played at Miami. Miami gets the last visit. There's real interest in Miami, given the hiring of Mario Cristobal there. So I think that's going to be a real battle, but Tennessee would like another high school defensive lineman if possible. Uh, they only signed two true defensive linemen, I guess you could say a couple edge rushers to go along with them, but the defensive line, certainly a big need. So, that, so there's, there's Ahmad Moten and then also Jason Jenkins from New Jersey, uh, that Tennessee offered here recently uh, that, that also is planning to take an official visit to Tennessee at the end of the month. Uh, and then also a safety, Miguel Mitchell from Oxford, Alabama, just recently got a Tennessee offer and, and now is scheduled to take an official visit to Tennessee that final weekend before National Signing Day as well. So those three names are, are still out there. Always a possibility someone else could emerge, but, but Tennessee, I think, will be pretty selective. One, maybe two more signees in the 2022 class is probably all you're looking at uh, if, if things go Tennessee's way. And then I think the rest of those spots, they would probably save for transfers just depending on what's out there. Um, you know, I think they, they would be more likely to, to not want to use spots on high school players given their needs for immediate help at several of those positions we mentioned. So Ryan, last one from me. And I want to take a quick look now at 2023, 17th in the 24-7 sports team rankings currently, two commits, four-star tight end, Ethan Davis, and three-star safety, Jack Luttrell. Who are some early targets you're keeping an eye on as Josh Heupel and staff start to kind of shift towards next year's cycle? Well, I, I think definitely uh, quarterback is always going to, going to be a big focus, uh, especially with this staff and the style that Josh Heupel plays and his background in developing quarterbacks. So um, that's that's one position they did pretty well getting Taven Jackson, a top 247 prospect in the 2022 class. And in 2023, they're in on a, a five star right now. Nico Iamaliava from from California. They they got him on campus for an unofficial visit at the end of the regular season. And uh, he's already talking about coming back to Knoxville in the spring, wants to play in the SEC, it looks like. So that might come down to, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, schools like that in the end. Uh, so I think Tennessee feels that it has a shot there, and he's certainly going to be worth watching as long as he's out there with Tennessee in the mix uh, because it's uh, it's not often you have a chance to get a big-time five-star quarterback like that. Uh, and then in-state, you know, Tennessee is, has missed out on a lot of the state's top players in recent years. The 2022 class was, uh, was certainly another example of that with five-star defensive lineman Walter Nolan and five-star quarterback Ty Simpson going to other SEC schools and leaving the state. Um, so they're, they're trying to reverse that trend and, and, and keep, keep some of the top talent in state. That's got to start with Caleb Herring. He's, he's a top 100 player nationally, a, a four-star edge rusher uh, from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Good news for Tennessee in this case is they just signed his brother, Elijah Herring, a linebacker uh, in the 2022 class. So uh, certainly Tennessee's got a foot in the door there and is off to a very good start. But those are two of the big names. Tennessee can somehow land those two guys. Uh, they'll, they'll be core foundational pieces of maybe not only that class, but that program for the next few years. So we'll see if Tennessee can land those. But those are certainly, I think, where I would start with that 2023 class. And 
uh, just in general, you know, making sure they, they have better success in state is going to be a key for this class after, again, only signing two players uh, in what was a really talented 2022 class in state. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 247 covering Tennessee recruiting for GoVols247.com. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me and giving me some time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Lance. All right. Another week in the books as we push towards the February signing period. Many more great episodes of coming next week and beyond. For Ryan Callahan, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to another episode of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.